2 Corinthians chapter 5 is our text for today. And it is of no surprise, of course, that the times that we live in right now are rather difficult and seemingly becoming more difficult in the days and the weeks ahead. But in the midst of uncertainty, I want to incite you to courage because faith and dependence upon God in times like this often leads us to act as Christians encouraged. You know, there's a story about an old English naval officer who told how he was saved from dishonor in his first experience in battle. He was just a young midshipman in his teenage years, and the enemy gunfire was so terrifying that he felt as if he was going to faint. And just then, an officer came over to him and placed his hand over his own and said with a quieting confidence, courage, my boy, courage, you'll be all right. I felt the same way in my first battle. And as the midshipman would later reflect upon those words, he would say that it felt as though an angel had come and given me strength. And from that moment on, his fear was gone. And there was, as, uh, there was a man who was as brave as the most seasoned of officers. That encouragement was exactly what he needed to hear. Today, I think about some of us probably going through the midst of our current season of crisis and pandemic. And maybe you feel like the young midshipman. Maybe in fearful and in uncertain times, when anxiety begins to creep in, you wonder what will happen next. But our text for today, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul puts his hand over yours. And he says, courage, my boy. Courage. You'll be all right. And with that, I want to ask you to follow as I read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. This is what it says. It says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive what is due 
for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Paul begins this short section in 2 Corinthians with something that we know. Setting the passage in its context, we see that Paul is describing the struggle of the Christian life and the persecution that he has because of his role as an apostle, an emissary of God. And the passage immediately preceding this one points us to that, but it also points to his purpose. And despite the fact that his circumstances of uncertainty are different than your circumstances of uncertainty, the exhortation that he gives is still applicable to us today. His goal is to encourage us to endure the situation at hand with faith. To encourage someone means to fill them with courage. And that is what we see here. And to help us, to fill us with courage, Paul begins with a metaphor. The metaphor is a word picture about the nature of life and death and the afterlife. The very things that so many people are thinking about today in the midst of our time. In verses 1 through 5, he refers to our earthly body as a tent. And our heavenly body is referred to as a building from God. Paul's using these metaphors to describe the material aspects of life. A tent. Your body is a temporary dwelling place. Now, I don't know if you've ever been camping or not. Growing up, my family went on a lot of camping trips. That was sort of our regular rhythm of summer vacation. We enjoyed the outdoors. We would go to different state parks. We would go hiking or canoeing. We'd spend time around the campfire. And we'd sleep in a tent. A temporary dwelling. Now today, you can find tents that are incredibly elaborate in their nature. You can find tents with multiple rooms, with carports built into them. You can find luxury tents with amenities that come with them. You can even go luxury camping. But we never had a tent like that. In fact, our tent was a simple, old, tan, Coleman canvas tent. And back then, those tents were rather clumsy to set up. There were a lot of poles. And after you finally erected the tent and you could figure out if the poles were all in the right place, you just hoped that it was sturdy enough to stand. I can remember plenty of times when the tent wasn't sturdy enough to stand in the midst of the weather, when it blew over. I can remember other times when in the midst of a rainstorm, we'd be sleeping in the middle of the night or my brother or myself would be leaning up against the side wall of the tent. And you know what happens when you lean up against the side wall of a tent in the middle of a rainstorm. The water comes pouring in. That's one of the hazards of living in a tent, in a temporary dwelling. Nobody wants to live in a tent or a temporary dwelling for the long term. And Paul says that our earthly bodies are like that. Our material bodies are like a tent. 
They're a temporary dwelling. And verse 3 tells us we groan in them. They're weak. They're problem-ridden. They break down over time. They age. And they're susceptible to disease. And eventually, these tents will be destroyed. And the biggest fear for a lot of people when they think about that reality, the biggest fear for people regarding death is that they're not quite sure what happens next. They don't have confidence in the future. They don't want to be without a dwelling place. And that's why he says in verse 4, for while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, or not that we would have no dwelling place, but rather we groan intuitively because we would rather be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by this life. So we don't want to embrace our fear of the unknown or, or, or be found completely without a dwelling, be found completely naked or without a dwelling place, but rather we want a more substantial dwelling place, a permanent dwelling. And this is what he refers to as the building from God, which is, of course, the word picture of our heavenly bodies. This is the clothing that we look forward to. This is the dwelling place that's permanent in its nature. And there is not one thing in our heavenly bodies that will be corrupted or destroyed. You'll be quite happy with them as they will be perfect. But what's very interesting to me about this passage is it seems to indicate that the core of who we are is spoken about in terms that are separated from our bodies, either our tent or our heavenly building. The core of who we are is not strictly found in our material body. There's an immaterial part of us that is referred to here. I wonder if you caught it. It says it in verse 2. It says, for in this tent we groan. The we is separated from the body. We don't want to be found naked or unclothed. That is, we don't want to be found without a body, verses 3 or 4. The core of who we are desires to have a better body. There's an immaterial part of us that is to be differentiated from the material part of us. The immaterial part is the lasting part. And it seems to be what defines us. Here, I think Paul is referring to your soul. And he says that we know that what we have right now is not as good as what is coming later. The promise to God for those who are his children is that what is coming is better than what we have right now. And he's alluding to eternal life with an eternal body. Now some of us 
might hear that and say, well, how, how can we be so sure as if God's promise wasn't enough? And if God's preparation wasn't already perfect, how can you be sure? Well, verse 5 tells us that God goes one step further beyond his promise, beyond his preparation, and he gives a guarantee of that future heavenly body. And the guarantee is found in giving us the Holy Spirit, he says, as this guarantee. We see this elsewhere in the Bible, a number of different places in the Bible, that this is one of the various aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Here's just two examples. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we see that he who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Or Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, I hope you heard that clearly and saw it clearly, that those who believed in him, who believed in Jesus, received this guarantee. Without that belief, there's no guarantee. And so God does not just promise to be with us, for those who put their faith in Christ, he also promises to be in us. The Holy Spirit comes to comfort and to guide and to gift, but also as a guarantee. And so when life looks uncertain, nothing seems to be guaranteed. But isn't it just like God? That when you're in a time when your whole world seems to be thrown up into the air. And there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees for your health. There's no guarantees for your finances. There's no guarantees for your family. There's no guarantees for your own life. Isn't it just like God to give you a rock-solid guarantee during a time when no one can seemingly guarantee anything? And this results in something in us. We see in verse 6, look at it with me. Paul tells us how we should feel as a result. He says, we are always of good courage. Good courage. I love the way that one dictionary defines courage. It defines courage as the mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Courage is the strength to withstand difficulty. Courage is the strength to withstand danger. Courage is exactly what is needed from Christians in the middle of a pandemic. Former United States Senator John McCain talks about courage this way. He says, courage is like a muscle. 
the more we exercise it, the stronger it gets. I sometimes worry that our collective courage is growing weaker from disuse. We don't demand it from our leaders, and our leaders don't demand it from us. The courage deficit is both our problem and our fault. And as a result, too many leaders in the public and private sectors lack the courage necessary to honor their obligations to others and to uphold the essential values of leadership. Courage is what is needed at a time like this. Courage. Good courage. When you are faced with uncertainty, we respond in courage. When faced with a lack of the ability to control our environment, we exercise courage. When faced with threat or risk or danger or even pandemic, good courage is what is called for. Why? Because we know that what we will have is better than what we have right now. Because there's a guarantee for us. And the one who backs that guarantee is eternal in his nature. Because we know how the story is going to end. We won't be without a home. And the truth is, as verse 8 says, that when we begin to understand that our building from God is greater than our earthly tent, that our heavenly body is greater than our earthly human body, we'd rather be with the Lord than in this body. Now for most of us, when we look at the situation around us, and we see the uncertainty, and we're trying to muster up the courage to the very best of our ability, it's hard to feel what verse 8 says. It's hard for us to feel that we would rather be with the Lord than to be in our earthly bodies. But that is why Paul keeps focusing us on what we know, not simply what we feel. Verse 1, for we know. Verse 6, we know. Feelings can be deceptive at the best of times and particularly deceptive in difficult times. But what we know gives us the ability to have confidence. You might even put it this way. Confidence about the future leads to courage in the present. Confidence about the future leads to courage in the present. Because we know what's coming, we can be courageous right now. When the athlete knows that his side is going to win the game, he's not afraid, but he's rather courageous to take the big shot. When the soldier knows that his side will win the war, he exercises even more courage on the field of battle. I think even on this Palm Sunday, because Jesus knew the ultimate reality of his coming resurrection, he walked through the streets of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday with courage. Even though he knew that the crowd was celebrating him that day would be the same crowd to crucify him by the end of the week. 
And Christian, because you know the promise of God's eternal blessing in a heavenly body from God, you can be courageous now even though your earthly body is threatened. Confidence about the future leads to courage in the present. And here's the result of courage. Verse 7 says that while we are in this body, because we have this courage, we walk by faith and not by sight. Walking is a term, remember, that's used to describe this intentional moving forward through life. Christians who know the future are uniquely equipped to go through life, even the most difficult circumstances of life, by faith. And it takes courage to walk by faith. Or to have faith is a courageous thing. And I wonder, as you have experienced this changing reality over the last number of weeks, how have you found it to walk by faith? What does it mean to walk by faith, not by sight, right now? I think it means a number of things. Verse 7 tells us that it means that we recognize that God has prepared this very thing for us. That even though we are uncertain, God is very certain. Even though we are out of control, God is very much in control. I think beyond that, we think of walking by faith and we think of trusting God, of course, for our daily bread. We trust him for our finances. We trust him for our physical health. Walking by faith means believing day in and day out the promises of God in your life through Jesus Christ. That when anxiety creeps in, when you lay your head on your pillow at night and you start to run through the what-ifs in your mind, when someone close to you becomes infected with the disease, or maybe even someone in your own family, that you continue to remind yourself of what you know in God through Christ. Walking by faith also means looking out for and caring for other people around you as you consider them greater than yourself. Because you have courage, you can walk by faith. Because you have confidence in the future, you can have courage in the present. And this means that we are able to refocus and continue to refocus ourselves as verse 9 says, that we aim to please God. In the midst of this heavenly body and earthly body dynamic, in the midst of courage, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of desires to walk by faith, we aim to please God. And there's a lot of different verses in the Bible about pleasing God. I think of Psalm 147.11, which says, But the Lord takes pleasure... In those who fear him. In those who hope in his steadfast love. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. Those who hope in his steadfast love. Fearing him and hoping in him pleases him. We fear him 
That means we take God seriously with the reverence he deserves. It means that we take our interactions with him with that same reverence. It means we take our sin seriously. And if anything brings us to take God seriously, it's a time like this. When thousands, millions of people are now looking back towards something beyond themselves to help make it through this very difficult season. It also means that we hope in a steadfast love, it says. We hope for his deliverance from death, but we also hope from his, for his deliverance for our eternal life that he promises. And we know that that life only comes through faith in his son Jesus to forgive us of our sins. Confidence in the future leads to courage in the present. Follow the logic. Courage in the present is expressed in walking by faith in the midst of our circumstances. Walking by faith in the midst of our circumstances leads us to actions that are pleasing to God. Confidence in the future gives us courage in the present. The passage ends with verse 10 that gives us one more motivation and a healthy reminder. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We could spend the next four sermons talking about those daunting words. We must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. How can you be sure that you will get to the judgment seat someday and have been pleasing to him? Well, the answer hinges completely on how you engage Jesus. Because we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul writes, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is to say that the free gift of God is to pardon you of your sin at the judgment seat. That Jesus paid the penalty of condemnation on your behalf. He did so on the cross. And those who put their faith in him to forgive their sins are found in him. That's what it means to be a Christian. And that, that pardon for sin is offered to each and every one of you listening today. You need but reach out and take it in faith by trusting in his son. This judgment seat, we can make just four quick observations of it from verse 10. We see that Jesus has been given the authority by God to be the judge. It is God's judgment that is rendered by Jesus. Number two, everyone will be judged, Christians and non-Christians, both. Number three, we will be judged according to what we do. And number four, for those in a relationship with Christ, rooted in faith, that this judgment will yield no condemnation for them. But for those who have no relationship with Christ, 
condemnation will be theirs. There will be no heavenly building from God. No heavenly home. For the Christian to stand before this judgment, you still will be judged by your works. And this judgment will yield at least two things. Firstly, it will yield that your faith and confidence in God will be born out in your deeds. Your deeds will show your faith to be real. And secondly, it will show that even in your sin, which will still be great, that the judgment will point to the glory of God's forgiveness and salvation as he takes those who are not worthy to stand before them and ushers them into a heavenly And so with that in mind, we seek to live in faith. And that faith is demonstrated in our deeds that are pleasing to God. Good deeds never save you. Faith will. But faith will be demonstrated in many ways in your life, including in good deeds. And especially in times of crisis where courage is needed. And so where does that leave you right now? If you're not a Christian, I implore you to put your faith in Christ today. Reach out and take the gift of forgiveness that he offers. If you are a Christian, in the midst of pandemic, when the world feels like it is closing in around you, when you don't know what to do next, have courage. Confidence about the future gives you courage in the present. In the spring of 1940, in France, the nation had fallen to the onrushing columns of the German war machine. The 350,000 man British army in France had just had a harrowing evacuation from Dunkirk. And Winston Churchill rose to speak before the House of Commons, and among other things, to introduce a new and striking phrase to the English language. This is what he said. He said, let us therefore brace ourselves to our duty, and so bear ourselves that if the British Commonwealth and Empire last for a thousand more years, men will still say, this was their finest hour. And may it be said of us, because of the courage that we have, because of the future that we know. Let's pray together. Father, may it be said of us that in the midst of crisis, this is our finest hour. May it be said of us 
that we are a courageous people in the midst of great difficulty. May it be said of us that we have such a growing confidence in the future that it informs the way that we walk by faith and not by sight today. We ask for this help in Jesus' name. Amen.